Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Real Life Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Spears, author, speaker, advocate, and someone who loves to hear inspiring, extraordinary stories from everyday people. I'm fortunate that I get to meet so many different people, and I'm super excited to introduce you to one of them now. Hi, my name is Tracy Spears, and I am super excited. I can't not be super excited <laughs> to introduce you to Debbie McDaniel today. So Debbie's our uh, in-studio guest. Uh, so we're getting fancy with our podcast. So thank you for coming in. Excited to be here. Uh, super excited. I'm super, <laughs> super excited. excited. Yeah. So, so we're, you know, obviously trying to record some podcasts. And my goal is to talk to, to very interesting people that have, you know, either an interesting story or they're... There's something that um, is remarkable about them. And you kind of mm. check all those boxes, just so you know. So Good to know. You, you got it going on. Good to so know. We could talk about your shoes. We could talk about it, you know. <laughs> so the list was long. but um, So I'm just going to have you give a quick tee-up, anything you want to tell us about you, and okay. then we'll launch into, or we maybe won't launch into these questions. So you just moved to Tulsa. I did. We've lived in Tulsa about two years. Okay. Came from McAllister, big Oklahoma. McAllister, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, have kind of an exciting past that I wish wasn't, mm. but it's unfortunately been my path. And so it's it's interesting for all the wrong reasons, yeah. in my opinion. Well said, and that's true. And if you're good, I'm gonna, I totally wanna just jump in and talk about that, is okay. that right? Sure. Okay, so I, I did not know a lot about Jehovah's Witnesses until mm-hmm. I met you and started to learn and get a little bit more educated. Mm-hmm. So that's a piece of your story. But you also are married to a beautiful uh, woman named Crystal. I am. And it, you have a beautiful son. Mm-hmm. I'm acting like, I'm, like you don't know all this. Do you want to go ahead and finish it? Go ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was raised Jehovah's Witness from the time I was seven. And I left the organization briefly when I was 18, not by my choice. It was disfellowshipped and meant a total and complete shunning by my family and friends quickly got tired of that and came back because I missed my family. Um, and you have to humbly repent to get them back. I went through that process and came back. Left again when I was about 40 because it just, it was a painful place for me to be right. for a lot of reasons. Um, married my wife. We've been married, we've been together six and a half years or so. I have a transgender son which also made a Jehovah's Witness organization a painful place for him to be. And so we really kind of launched into the world that we didn't know. Wow. And I'm gonna, I have a lot of questions about that, but mm-hmm. um, I wanna say this, as somebody that has been on the sidelines observing, um, the courage that you've done that with is, is inspiring and remarkable. So, I mean, it's, you've, you've, I've watched the way you've navigated some difficult topics mm-hmm. in a way uh, w- with bravery that I don't know that I will ever have. And so I just, I don't know, I think that's, that really is the word I would use to describe you if someone were to ask me about you. There's many words, but brave would have to be near the top of the well, list. Well, to be fair, it didn't feel like courage. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. So, and I want to talk about Oliver and Crystal and mm-hmm. um, we'll, we'll end on the really good note of all that, but let's, let's go back because mm-hmm. I just read your book. Um, And I did not know you had a book. I don't know if that was intentional or not. Somebody else said, you know, she has a book. And Mm. so I jumped on Amazon. It was weird. I ordered it and then it didn't come. And then I went back on to order it again and it did not look like I had ordered it. And so I ordered it again and it finally showed up. And so I'm I'm one of those people on signs. I'm like, you know, I don't know. I couldn't couldn't figure it out. And then when I read it, I read it at a time where I had a couple of days to be completely 
present, mm -hmm. and I was really glad that I did. So I, oh, that I didn't just read it. yeah, that I didn't casually. So um, a couple of things I got from that. One is I'd like to throat punch Ronnie. Mm -hmm. Okay, and other people in your story. <laughs> Uh, but I don't know a lot about Jehovah's Witness, so uh -huh. I was surprised to learn about this whole thing, shunning, and I, my introduction to shunning and whatever that is has been through the Scientology, you know, that, that we're hearing about on Dateline mm -hmm. and everything now, so mm -hmm. I, I assume there must be similarities. And I want to be crystal clear, I do not have a religious background at all. You know this, but right. I'm telling anybody that's listening in. Right. Um, I've been to maybe five churches ever, and I'm okay with that. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, I'm, my spirituality is, is not in the confines of a religion or any mm -hmm. kind of structure. It's more to my own spirituality. So a lot of my questions might be, you know, you don't know that, but I don't know a lot of that stuff. So mm -hmm. that's the setup for this. So in the be becoming a Jehovah's Witness, you, as I read in the book, your family actually uh, developed that after you were how old? Um... I was about seven okay. when witnesses came to, my mother had a past that she had left, Jehovah's Witnesses at one time. Um, she was having marital problems is what I gathered through the years. And so when I was about seven, she gave my dad kind of an ultimatum. He was very absorbed in his work and she thought religion would bring us closer as a family and farther away from um, separation. She wanted the unity that Jehovah's Witnesses seemed to present. That seems admirable. Yeah. I mean, truly, I, I think yeah. whatever gets you in the door, a lot of times it ends up being that looking for that community. Mm -hmm. And it ends up, mm -hmm. from what I understand, being the thing that keeps people in churches too, right? The, yeah. You know, not wanting to separate and break away from that. Right. So when you realized that that was the new, you know, religion, and I'm going to mm -hmm. say new, new to you at that time, were mm -hmm. you excited? Were you, what was your, what your thought about all of that? I don't, I don't remember a lot of that. I remember not feeling very close to my father because we didn't really know him. He was completely absorbed to the point that he spent nights away from his family. So it was very much a close relationship with my brother, sister, and mother. Mm. And I knew that I didn't want to move from where we were living. I do remember that feeling. Uh, my dad wanted us out of a very large city from Houston, Texas mm. to a very small city in Oklahoma. And my mother seemed to be scared of that move. She mm. was kind of a big city gal at that time. She didn't, she didn't really want to do it, but I could sense that she was doing it because she thought it was what was best for her family. Yeah. Um, okay. And then the, as I grew up, the separation from, we were to be no part of the world. So that meant no holidays. I never celebrated a birthday or Christmas or any holiday whatsoever until I started dating my wife. Wow. And I was 40. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now her birthday is a big deal for you? Big deal. <laughs> Not as big as mine. <laughs> mine is a much bigger deal. <laughs> than anybody else's. That's fair. We have some making up to do, right? Yeah. And I'm going to. Uh, so yeah. is that, so that's part of that religion that you right. don't, so, and, and what is the logic in that if there is any, just so I understand? There is a different logic behind every um, holiday avoidance. Okay. For instance, your birthday it makes you egotistical if you keep celebrating it. And that they oh. use the rationale that the only birthday mentioned in scripture, um, someone was beheaded mm. as a gift to the girl that requested birthday. it. So, <laughs> you know, you're, if you know it's dangerous, if you think that it's a bad place or a bad thing to do, Christmas um, has pagan origins, so you're okay. supposed to avoid that. Halloween is satanic, so you avoid that. Interesting. So you end up getting nothing. 
Did you feel slighted when that one, or did, were you totally all, so all in that you didn't even have any feelings about it at the time? I felt, in hindsight, as I grew up, I felt a little bit conceited about it. Mm. Um, because they convince you so thoroughly that you are in the only chosen religion on the planet, okay. you feel a little conceited. Mm. Your ego gets the best of you, ironically. They won't let you celebrate your birthday, but you think that you're the only one going to survive the only organization that's going to survive the end of the world. And Armageddon is right around the corner. So you tend to feel sorry for the people next door that are hanging Christmas lights. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Is it fear-based? Does it, does it feel like a lot of that is more, what you just said? I thought, if I was scared the end of the world was happening, I'd, be, I'd do whatever I had to do, right? Right. Yeah. 100% fear-based. Okay. All of the literature has pictures of depictions of people running from fire raining down from heaven and mm -hmm. um, you feel like your only safety net is that organization. So whatever comes down, whatever direction comes down from the governing body, you you just do what they say. Yeah. Because okay. it means your survival. Yeah. Well, and I guess at that age, uh, is it common that people become a witness? Do, may I just say a witness, or do mm -hmm. I need to say Jehovah's Witness? Do people like use slang? They just say a witness. Okay. Mm -hmm. So can someone become a witness as an adult usually, or is it, I mean, do they normally, they're, they're as a child and then they grow up in that? I mean, like, what's the mix of people? I'm curious. The, the, by far the majority are born into it okay. or come in when they're very young. Okay. However, if you come into it as an adult, it's because there is something happened in your life that you need to fill a void to do that. Okay. You've lost a child, and, and they will. Witnesses will go down the obituaries and then write letters to those people, the surviving family members. Okay. Because their, their view is, and we're taught this very intensely, that if someone has had a, a tragedy in their life, they're more susceptible, they're more open to being drawn into an organization like that. Well, I think that's true. It is true. It feels uh, it feels uh, manipulative, but I don't know. I guess I guess that's mm -hmm. that's how a lot of people end up in religion. I would assume, you know, looking or searching. You know, people get to that point where they're trying to find a, some kind of connection. So yeah. I guess maybe that's that's probably not just. Well, cool. I think of it like a lawyer, an ambulance chaser. That's, you know. Yeah. You're watching and waiting for someone to have a need for you. Yeah. And then you call them. All right. So, so in this, you had, are, where are you in the, uh, are you oldest, youngest, middle? middle. Okay, mm -hmm. so as the middle, so uh, other siblings, everybody was all in, or did you have a sibling that was like, not me? I was the sibling that wasn't all in. Okay. No surprise there. No surprise. <laughs> <laughs> my sister was the model Jehovah's Witness, Okay. and my brother was also. He became an elder very quickly. My sister married an elder. Okay. Um, I was always the one badly behaved and defined badly um, I just did what I wanted to yeah I, so I you never, were like a normal teenager and I questioned mm -hmm. um, I questioned why can they why can the governing body send direction that my parents shouldn't hold hands during prayer anymore Oh wow! because it's making single people without a mate feel like feel left out so I watched my parents stop holding hands during prayer and I would question it Hmm. Why Why can the governing body tell you to quit holding hands? I don't like that. Yeah, that feels like that's separating for sure. So so did your, when you would ask those questions, was there either parent receptive or were you just dismissed? I brought that question up in particular in a car group. We had a car group of us going door to door 
as was our custom in the afternoons, mornings and afternoons. Um, I brought that question up and was immediately shunned by others in the car group. They quit talking to me for the rest of the day and by my parents. When I would bring up serious doctrinal questions with my dad, um, I would say, I just, this isn't jiving to me. You're trying to find a date for the end of the world, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, there's a scripture that says you don't know the day or hour, so why are we trying to figure out? And he would become so frustrated yeah. with me questioning that I started to notice towards the end, when I left the second time, that my family even started to cut me off mm. because of the questioning. So when someone's so entrenched in that, and a lot of times that's the knock against religion, right? That you blindly believe or mm -hmm. follow a mm -hmm. particular doctrine. Um, but the ability to ask questions should really, in my, for me, be um, the part that gets you closer to the truth and mm -hmm. closer to that religion. And when it actually further separates it, I always, that always makes me uncomfortable, mm -hmm. right? right? And I assume it did you right. as well. Interesting. So at 18, you said you left the first time. I did. And tell, tell me about that. Just uh, you, when you say you left, what does that mean? Um, I was disfellowshipped for immoral behavior. Okay. Uh, it wasn't like they found out about it. I admitted to this. When you do something that you feel like goes against scripture or doctrine, you go and you confess. Okay. But if they don't deem you appropriately repentant, then they give you a choice. Okay. That you, we don't feel like you're appropriately repentant. You can either improve your humility or you can go. I chose to go and they made an announcement from the platform that I was not to be spoken to. So totally shunned? Totally shunned until I and the the man in the book mm -hmm. who made my life miserable as a youth was the lead on the committee to disfellowship me. Um, so when I wanted reinstated mm -hmm. I had to ask him if I could come back. And what that involves with Jehovah's Witnesses, if you've been disfellowshipped, you do six months to about a year, depending on the severity of your sin. You come in, you, you're allowed back in the kingdom hall, but you have to sit on the back few rows. Um, you don't attempt to interact with your family. You don't attempt to speak with your former friends. And you do that for six months to a year. You have to stay for the entire meeting, come in a little late, you leave a little early, so that it doesn't make other people uncomfortable. I, when I read that in your book, I was stunned. I was stunned that and you said it that it's to teach you humility right so which is the idea that you you know don't get that interaction and you don't interfere with anybody else's experience mm -hmm. looking back on that as an adult right now what what would be your take on just that piece of it i'm curious my take on that at the time was it was a necessary it was necessary for me to learn how to be a better person okay now i look at it as in a more well-rounded like there are some excellent people in that organization, sure. but these policies absolutely make you want to take your own life. And there is no amount of God that you can insert into a situation like that that makes that okay. Still to come on Real Life Leadership with Tracy Spears. I decided with Crystal, I owed it to her to be honest from the start. I thought you taint it if you start doing it under the veil of deception of any kind. Sure. So, you know, kind of egotistically, I just told everyone. You thought everybody was going to do what? I thought, well, they won't like it, but they're going to respect my decision. I know I'll be disfellowshipped, but um, they're going to at least know that I was honest. And it, it went downhill from there. Mm. It was swift vengeance mm. on the part of my family towards like that days. decision. 
days, months? Mm, no, pretty immediate. Okay. Hours. Wow. Mm. Hi, my name is Tracy Spears, and I'm here to tell you about something super exciting. My business partner, Wally Schmader, and I just released our book, The Exceptional Leaders Playbook, and it's available now at theexceptionalleadersLab.com. What you'll find in that book is immediately actionable ideas that you can use in your everyday leadership. No theories in this one. These are tried and true tactics for leaders of all levels. I hope you'll check it out. I read a study that was done in a military camp. I can't remember what country it was done in. Some third world country that was taking prisoners of war. And they put him in complete isolation okay. for years. They would give him food. They gave him everything necessary to live but human interaction. Mm -hmm. And he took his own life mm. after years and years and years of that. Mm -hmm. So they have proven, not just in that study, but in many, that from the time you're an infant, mm -hmm. you need human interaction to yeah. feel, and they know that. They, Jehovah's Witnesses have the perfect setup <clears throat> because they can take that away from you, uh, an innate human need that mm -hmm. you have to interact with your loved ones. Yeah. They can take that from you and it will break you. Mm. I think you posted it on Facebook now that I'm listening to you and I watched it. There was uh, a woman doing a TED Talk and it was the top 10 things that people need to mm -hmm. sustain, was it you yes. that posted that? Yep. And the number one and number two was community and connection to other people, yep. right? It was like it was like what are the things that create an early death? I believe that was what the the TF yep. was, and like number six was smoking, and number you know five was high cholesterol. Anyway, mm -hmm. but they thought it looked like that what the study was going to show is that you know if you smoke you're going to die earlier. If you have uh, high cholesterol you're going to die earlier. But it was if you aren't connected to community that your lifespan is shorter than somebody that smokes. Well, I just thought that was, that's just mind-boggling. But yeah. I think it's true, don't you? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. What if, I mean, you have a circle of friends. Mm -hmm. What if someone removed them from your life and gave you no explanation for it and you had to wander alone? Yeah. How would you mentally... Can't, yeah, can't even imagine. How do you survive something like that? Mm -hmm. And so the first two years when I was completely shunned and cut off, in a small town and I would see my mother at the bank or at the farmer's market and I would stand and just stare at her because I just needed a glimpse of her. Mm. I, I revered her so much um, and in the farmer's market one day she just, when she finally recognized that it was me standing next to her, she just put her sack down and walked away, walked out and it just, it breaks pieces inside of you Yeah, and so you've got to get whatever whatever counseling you need, whatever yeah. interaction with friends you need, you've got to get it. Mm -hmm. You'll either go back into that organization or you'll end your life. Yeah. Yeah. So not that dramatic of a statement when you describe it like that, right? Right. <laughs> and it's, uh, I am emotional for you. I can picture you standing there doing that and the idea that there's a lot of you running around, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. you're not the only one that's had this experience. Um, but it, it's heartbreaking. So how do you reconcile that? So now, and I don't want to skip too much of your story, but this is your story and we'll mm -hmm. talk about whatever you want, but now that you, with your adult brain and you're looking back on that and your mom walks off, how mm -hmm. do you feel about that now? I think if I didn't have counseling to help me keep that in focus and perspective, 
And if I didn't have my wife and son, and I didn't intellectually know that that's not the only true religion on the planet. Mm. You, you've got people that leave. You've got young people that leave. They'll get involved in what witnesses deem bad behavior, and so they'll rebel. But if you leave that organization out of rebellion, you will more than likely go back because rebellion, you're going to get your ass handed to you mm -hmm. in life. Mm -hmm. And so you look back for that soft place to fall. But if intellectually you keep reading, you keep studying, you keep verifying that your gut feeling about that organization is true, then you're more likely to stay gone. And the only way you can survive it is to stay gone. Yeah, you can't have one foot in, no. one foot out, yeah. So, no. it, so the education becomes the, the ticket out, it's right? It's the key. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting because a lot of people don't want to know more than what they know, right? Like mm -hmm. there are, a, and I would like to think differently about most people, but most people, what it seems, walk in and go, well, this, these are the rules. This mm -hmm. is, these are the things I have to do. This is actually, you know, uh, who can get communion, who can't. Like there's a, there's a lot of rules. Again, mm -hmm. I'm not a religious person. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very spiritual, not religious, all that. But like all those rules were always a thing. I was like, that rule doesn't make sense. And if I can't reconcile it, I can't buy into it. So mm -hmm. when you when you think about that the rules make you feel safe, that's what you're talking about. People go back to that because even though it's, they might be shitty rules, right. at least you know what to expect, right? right. There's, there's some, you know, and you don't in the big wide world. You're getting thrown curves all the time. So yeah. is that the allure, do you think, that, that they create this safe, predictable community? Oh, it absolutely feels like, and they can convince you very quickly the very first chapter in this, they have one book that they study with people out of, and the very first chapter it prepares you for, now your worldly family may discourage you from becoming attached to us, hmm. and that's how you should know you're doing the right thing. Oh, wow. And so it's, things start to fall into place for you, like you think, well, I do want to survive Armageddon. Mm -hmm. I do want to please God. Mm -hmm. I want to be a better person. Um, and most Jehovah's Witnesses are just good people. They won't steal from you. Yeah. They won't lie to you. Um, but there is some nasty, nasty cover-up at a higher level than most Jehovah's Witnesses operate at. Okay. And so when someone is disfellowshipped, you don't, if, if they disfellowship you and you want to go to your friends and say, but look, here's what really went down, um, you don't get to do that. Mm. You don't, in a court of law, I get to be put on the stand and tell my story if yeah. I choose to. As a disfellowshipped Jehovah's Witness, Nothing. they don't want to hear your story. Oh. And yeah. they're going to refuse to hear it. They'll change their email addresses. They'll change their cell phone numbers. They'll do whatever they have to do to cease contact with you. Mm. And so you feel kind of like unfinished business is just looming out there. One of the most dangerous emotions, I believe, and as I read a lot, uh, is shame. Mm -hmm. And this feels like it taps into shame so it pierces it so succinctly and it almost is like, okay, we're going to set up that if you do anything outside of this that you will feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. And so they do that in a way that every, all those rules, you know, tap right into that, which is that emotion that will make you compromise your own sanity, right? Right. So that might be dramatic, but that's what it feels like. Mm -hmm. As I read through that, I kept thinking, gosh, you would feel so shameful, you know, yeah. if you didn't do exactly what you were being told. And I know that, you know, that emotion is so powerful. It so, is. Do you, how do you reconcile that now? I mean, do you, I mean, I, I, so here's what I know. I know you well enough to know 
you're wicked smart and that you're doing all the reading and all that. But mm -hmm. there's, I, there has to be those days where you're like, you know, that little 5% that, you know, mm -hmm. is like, I can't believe that it's this way. I think it could be different. What if? Do you ever have that, those moments? Shame. I don't see how I could not yeah. because shame is such an integral part of that organization. Mm -hmm. And that's how they keep you just being a woman. Yeah. Right. Um, a woman I could give. I knew my material. I had studied the Bible front to back. I could give a talk from the platform, but I had to do it seated because I was a female. I couldn't have my head above where a man would be. Re I didn't. I don't remember. Reading that. <laughs> that, <laughs> that may not be in the. That book. would have been a footnote. If I, yeah. <laughs> but I did remember that you were doing the meetings for your husband, your, right. the, your then husband, right? Because he was not fulfilling duty. Right. So you dutifully did the meetings. I did. But that was wow. an embarrassment. That was kind of a shameful uh, a mark on our family if I was the one doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but shame keeps you exactly where they want you. Yeah. And so we don't really do shame in our house. I can't. Yeah. I mean, we, we're going to mess up. Yeah. Crystal will or I will. Oliver does, certainly. But it's just... You just rumble and it's over. You let humans be humans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you, and you duke it out. So, so the other piece I found interesting when, you know, reading through all of that and all the iterations. So you were married and then you mm -hmm. um, end up falling in love with, we'll cut through some of that, Crystal. We'll mm -hmm. just go right to Crystal. Um, and so I thought that was just such a sweet story. Do you want to tell it or do you don't have to? It could be personal. Um, it, I don't think it's personal. Okay. Um, I had been pioneering for Jehovah's Witnesses, which was a dedication to get 70 hours of door-to-door -door work every month. Okay, same. Okay, I want you to talk about that because there's a part in there, or maybe you told me about driving to the Tulsa or wherever you were driving, and you would right. have to get out of the car. So, right. So tell us all about that, because I don't think people realize you that. You have when you're a Jehovah's Witness of any caliber, let's say, um, you fill out a time report every publisher, they call them, with Jehovah's Witnesses, fills out a time report. If you are on your deathbed, you still have to turn in time every month to Jehovah's Witnesses so that they have some kind of barometer of where you are spiritually. And so I signed up. The more hours you sign up to get, the, the higher you're considered oh, okay. in the organization. So I had signed up to get 70 hours. A week, a month? A month. And what does that mean? You signed up to do what? Uh, that means you either go door to door or you study the Bible with someone, you're placing literature, you have to be talking about Jehovah for 70 hours a month. Wow. And that's hard. Yeah. That's hard to get. So what pioneers do is they will fudge their time reports. Mm. You can place a watchtower, you can leave a watchtower in a wake at the laundromat in McAllister and drive to Tulsa. But you have to, every 15 minutes, you have to do something theocratic to count all that time. Oh, my gosh. So is that, was that like a shortcut, but really not? You still had to like be doing it yeah. to get in the car and go somewhere. Yeah. There was a McDonald's on the turnpike at the toll gate. Yeah. And so we, we kind of figured how much time it took us. And even if you needed to text someone, hey, do you want me to drop off the watchtower and wait for you? That was considered theocratic time. Okay. And then you stop at the McDonald's and leave somebody a... And my mother hated it. My mother and I loved to come shopping in Tulsa, and we did it a lot. But we'd say, we can't get out of service. We really So let's make our shopping day service. So my mother would offer the Watchtower and Awake to people at the gas pump or whatever mm -hmm. at Oak Mulgee, and she hated it. Yeah. We both hated it. Yeah. 
So what do you think she thought when you made the decision to, to leave the second time? My mother... The first time and the second time, I guess. What, what do you think? The first time she was furious that I would even consider leaving and cutting off ties with me seemed to be knee-jerk for her, like, okay, do what you want to do, but we're done with you. Mm. Um, they asked me to leave the home and um, sent me packing, kept my car, kept my clothes, kept everything, just sent me packing. The second time, she had been watching this friendship with my now wife evolve over probably six months' time. Mm -hmm. um, when Crystal started cutting my hair, I thought, well, finally somebody who, can, who I can talk real with. Mm -hmm. You can't tell witnesses that you have attractions to females. You can't, that's something they don't want to hear. Um, but I can talk to her. I knew friendships outside the organization were strictly forbidden. You can't. And, and that was called worldly friends? Worldly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everybody that you knew that is not, or know, that is not a Jehovah's Witness is a worldly right. person. Okay. Right. But I was enjoying my friendship with her, and Crystal was dating somebody else. It wasn't like a romantic entanglement at all for mm -hmm. a long time. Um, but we would text a lot, and my mother started to notice she was worried when Crystal started cutting my hair. Are you sure you need that close proximity to someone mm -hmm. who worldly. obviously likes females? Nevertheless, a worldly person, mm -hmm. but a lesbian, God forbid. So I really kept it on the down low, even the friendship, for a long time. But my mother would see her name pop up on my phone if we were in the same vehicle sure. and say, you really need to cut, cut that off or this is going to be trouble. Wow. So there are no LGBT Jehovah's Witnesses? There's a lot of LGBT witnesses that refuse to be practicing LGBT. Okay, that's, okay, that's what I mean. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. okay. So, so, in, so when your mom would say that, I mean, then what would you do? Would you quit communicating with her? Or would you no, just, I would okay. just hide it. Okay. So it was never a point where you were, you weren't really conflicted, it sounds like, at that no. point. Okay. Mm -mm. And what Jehovah's Witnesses normally do, if they're tempted to do something outside the playbook, um, they'll do it secretly okay and is that is that common very common okay very common um, but I decided that I really respected Crystal mm -hmm. and she had become my best friend at that point sure and so I thought I owe it more to you because I had had relationships that nobody ever knew about okay so I decided with Crystal I owed it to her to be honest from the start I thought you taint it if you start doing it under the veil of deception of any kind sure so, you know, kind of egotistically, I just told everyone. You thought everybody was going to do what? I thought, well, they won't like it, but they're going to respect my decision. I know I'll be disfellowshipped, but um, they're going to at least know that I was honest. And it, it went downhill from there. Mm. It was swift vengeance mm. on the part of my family towards like that days, decision. Days, months? Mm, no, pretty immediate. Okay. Hours. Hours. Wow. Mm -hmm. Next time on Real Life Leadership with Tracy Spears. I really did want to die. Um, and that moment, it was almost pivotal for me, like, you got to get your shit together or you're going to be in the ground. Mm -hmm. And Oliver deserves better than that. Crystal deserves better than that. And so since that moment, I haven't had near as bad a... And it took getting medicine and counseling. Sure. I have to take an antidepressant regularly or I will go back into that dark. 
Hi, this is Tracy. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. To find out more about our books, online courses, and other resource materials, check us out at tracyspears.com.